Black Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, and this is the 120th episode of Space Spinner 2000. Podcast I feel I should put in a... Where we try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time, but this month, but, or, but this episode, we're taking a break from our usual weekly progs to cover the 2080 annual 1985. As always... Um, these annuals are dated for the year after they come out. This is the 8th, 2080 annual, and we're really starting to see these annuals feature, like, writing and art by the mainline creative teams, and then filler material being classic 2080 thrills instead of, like, weird legacy comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, this annual is, once again, a little cheaper than the uh, Dread annual at £2.75, 25 pence up from last year, but the important thing for this annual is that I'm... Looking at it with Colin, you'll never walk alone from the 2080 forums. Welcome. Everybody, nice to hear you. Um, Just to explain, the YNWA, because I get asked this a lot, is (laughs) not a reference to the uh, late 80s LA rap band, uh, but rather Liverpool football team (laughs) with You'll Never Walk Alone. Excellent. Which, of course, nice ties in with um, some Pat Mills stories. That's right. Yeah. Good old uh, uh, Charlie and then the Robusters. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And several, and and at least one um, Bill Savage story as well. Although I think that was just football related, (laughs) because I don't think it's from Liverpool or anything. But anyhow. No, it's not. No. Um, Or North Pole related. Yeah. I I believe it was. (laughs) It's weird. Anyhow. The analog was. (laughs) But I'd like to uh, ask you, Colin, so what? How, um, when did you start reading 2080? Like, what's your 2080 story, I suppose? Well, I'm kind of a prog wanna, kind of. My brother, I was five in 1977, uh, mm-hmm. and we, we came from a very lovely family tradition. Of we, me and my brother would always get two comics a week bought by our parents. And this is when comics did cost 8p, so it wasn't like mm-hmm. that big a deal. <laughs> and and so my, my, my brother got prog one. Uh, and we, 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 we I, I read it. I was five. I wasn't probably reading it. I was looking at pictures, <laughs> but pictures of... But essentially, dinosaurs eating cowboys. Sure. I think broke my little mind and All just right. shaped how I defined good entertainment. I would like to say for my childhood, but frankly, <laughs> to this very day. And and yeah, and so so we carried on reading it on and off, mm-hmm. um, jumping in and out as, as Star Wars Weekly came along, or Doctor Who Weekly, or mm-hmm. yeah, whatever the comic took over. And then eventually. Uh, a friend of mine started getting it, and I went on holiday in 1985, uh, and I got Prog 431 for the car journey, and I think I must have also got the special from that year, mm-hmm. and in getting that, there was an advert in the back um, for Forbidden Planet, which right. was open. There was just one of them in London then, and as it happened, we were going on holiday to London, so I ended up buying, using all of my holiday money buying back issues from the, the prog I just got for oh, that's amazing uh, four, one, yeah to about 416 and I read them endlessly so I was stuck on with that until it came through the door at my parents house um even when I was at university and then in around issue 1000 yeah even when I was going home I wasn't reading them anymore mm-hmm. so I asked them to stop and like you know the prog had, it'd become what it become to me sure um and then about Oh God, see, I, this feels like it wasn't that long ago, but this was like about 16 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I bought my first home PC on the premise that I'd pay for it by selling all my old comics. Ah. It's so a big comic reading, big time. Like I got to read American comics during you know, the period between sort of 86 and, and uh, 96, whenever it was. Mm. And um, 
And in selling all metal comics, I thought, well, I'm not going to sell my 2000 ADs. And because I was on eBay and I was just seeing this availability of material, I ended up buying back issues that I'd never got. And mm-hmm. and then eventually, I, it was around the 30th uh, the 30th uh, anniversary, anniversary yeah. 30th yeah. birthday celebrations. And so I ended up picking up the prog. And before you know it, I was subscribing again. And I've been back on board ever since. So nice. I'm, 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 yeah, I've dipped in and out, but. Yeah, it's always been in my heart, if not yeah, in my house. For sure. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I feel like the, the concept of somebody con- con- consistently subscribing to 2000 AD for 40 years seems like more than you could ask for anyone. Like, just <laughs> as, a, as a concept, people, you know. People proudly, proudly hold that badge out there. Many who read it through, and I have nothing but admiration for them. But Absolutely. For me, uh, bands and women and yeah. beer and other hedonistic <laughs> distractions got in the way for a good period for sure yeah i can understand that but you know it does always come back to those uh cowboys fighting dinosaurs that i think it, essentially my my mind for all yeah. those distractions that's a bit of my head that survived yeah it certainly <laughs> uh yeah it, you know it's, it speaks to everybody i i i just want to say that i love that you were literally are uh like the the character that i've played so often <laughs> into when we talk about or about early 2008 and like the focus groups of a little kid saying i like cowboys and dinosaurs <laughs> let's do that <laughs> your accent's a bit off in well the, you yeah probably my, my slightly too fast Liverpool accents but apart from that you nailed it <laughs> absolutely awesome so when you were reading 2080 did you ever get the annuals or um yes. especially this I one mean, i guess that we're talking about today you've got it this one would have been my friend simon gaffigan mm-hmm. who was really into slain which we'll get to relatively yeah, shortly absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this up. so i know i read this in the day but i didn't own this until i you know, I was going back and and mm-hmm. filling in those back issues I mentioned. So I picked this up retrospectively. Nice. I've had it for, for the last however long. Um, but the annuals, you got to remember that, you know, for the price of one of these annuals, £2.75 in 1986, 1984, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you could get Big like Britain. 20, you or no, it. like like 15 comics or something. Because they're all 22 <laughs> right now, oh. yeah. You know, <laughs> you could buy good stuff for this. So <laughs> they, were, they, they were Christmas treats. Um mm-hmm. Uh, for, for for many many kids, you know, from yeah. from so so until I got my own sort of income around eighty eight, which is when I started to buy. I left, left school at that point. I was working in the bank. Well, can't mean to know this. It's okay, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> and, and that's when I could afford to buy these sort of things. So, so this particular annual, my only memory of it was Simon Gaffigan had it because he was a massive fan of Slain. Oh, that's awesome! I think that's a good story, though, for sure. So, um, I guess I should ask that you know, just generally, I know you uh, like the show and stuff. Is there anything that you are looking forward to us getting to on on Space Spinner? You know, we're like in the heart, in like the, just starting the mid '80s and sort of making our way through. Like, what, like, what would you, what would you say we should look for in uh, the coming years? I guess. Well, well, I, I think I mean, without getting too far ahead, because yeah. I mean, I, I'm currently in the middle of a reread, so nice. I'm into the '90s, so way ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but the period, obviously, for me, there is is, is, is most important. It's actually the period that you're just about to come into. Oh, nice. So it was a bit just before I got into it, but just after uh, Simon Gaffigan across the road <laughs> stopped me <laughs> you know, getting copies. I read because there's, there's, I always find it's the issues that I didn't actually own as a kid or have access to as a kid that have this sort of mystical appeal to me because they, they would have been recent enough. You'd have heard yeah. them referenced. Oh yeah. Um, but and somehow that became bigger in your mind, hmm. and so those yeah, stories yeah. felt a bit special to me. So things like Halo Jones, which we'll be getting to soon. Yep. Um, the the sort of return of Slade after Slade after that initial run, 
Um, and that sort of period, I always find her a little bit exciting. And then you'll get to Prog 431, which I've referenced already. Excellent, uh, yeah. I will I will be in my wheelhouse and in, in <laughs> you know, my period of 2008. Excellent. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the return of Slain 2 just because – I was, I've, I've been reading ahead a little bit from the actual uh, show timeline, and I think it's really amazing how Slain basically changes genres when it comes back, like Just sort of <laughs> from <laughs> from sword and sorcery to like crazy sci-fi. It's going to be really amazing. And I think there's some really interesting bits in this annual to reflect on on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so let's get. Let's start getting to it. Uh, just to give you a sense of where we are in the podcast right now, we just finished Prague uh, 386 on the timeline. So, uh, Halo Jones book one just ended, as has the Dread Angel storyline. Uh, Rogue Troopers finally finished all the side quests and is about to begin the final showdown <laughs> with the Traitor General. Uh, stuff like that. So, um, the cover for the 1985 annual features a full body picture of Slain and the heads of Dread and Rogue. Uh, all drawn by Mick McMahon and I think some of his last um, 2000 AD work before leaving. Um, For a while. Yeah. And the trouble is, technically, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture, but, and I love a montage. Oh, God, do I love a montage on the front mm. of a comic? But this one's a bit flat. Yeah, it's I think it's, sort of, everybody's so uh, disconnected and stuff. I think it's yeah. a real, it's a real different from the one uh, last year, which is also, by, which was by Dave Gibbons and some of his last work in 2000 mm. AD, yeah. which just had everybody like crowded together all at once. This one feels because like everybody's kind of in their own panel. It feels kind of like anodyne or something like that, I guess. Yeah. And we are in that phase where you're going to be saying, and this is such and such's last uh, work for Tarsen for a while. We're definitely a lot yeah. over the next few podcasts, I suspect. Yeah, I mean, we've reached some. We're definitely reaching more. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Kev O'Neill is going to leave um, next episode. <laughs> um, and uh, speaking of which, he draws a, an awesome uh, skeletal Torquemada, like just like r- writing yeah. the, uh, the table of contents and looking real cool. In, so, on the so inside. You can see how they've, they've kind of just crammed the table of contents in, in really small text because they just that's just leave the picture you know? yeah I mean, definitely is, they definitely just sort of fitted it in around like Torquemada yeah. being a crazy ghost skeleton with like manhole cover full of monsters and stuff it's real neat <laughs> yeah. but with all this preamble out of the way let's get started with thrill one slain <laughs> um oh man so script robot for slain pat mills art robot Mas- massimo bello Danelli, letting robot tom frame and this is kind of a weird slain story, I guess, because it? it's it it doesn't like it's like I we the, the, it's not really taking place anywhere on the current slain timeline. You know, uh, a couple episodes ago, slain sort of flew off on the back of the Nooker with um, Uko and Nest, but now he seems to have been like unstuck in time as ever living <laughs> ones are sending him to like ten fourteen AD, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and something that they will return to in many years. Yeah, to come, but no, yeah, this feels like a more modern slang, like like after like the Horned God or something like that, when mm. he does start sort of traveling through time and going to various like sort of periods that Danu thinks is important and stuff. But it's very weird in terms of like Prague three eighty six or whatever, you know, yes. the three hundreds or the 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 slang that we've seen so far. I guess like to the yeah, point absolutely. where I was like looking around to see if like this was the right annual. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, because I haven't read this. I read this only about maybe eighteen months ago as part of my reread. And yeah. I was going back, going, "Oh, hold on! It was there something said at the end of 
when, when he rides off on the knocker, that I, I'm, I'm not remembering some specific no. line that indicated something was going to happen. And I, go, I don't think no, there was. No, really, yeah. It's, but I'm it's, too fat and late to go and pull my progs out. So that's fair, I yeah. I mean, I, I feel the same way. But... Uh, <laughs> It's it definitely yeah it's it's sort of oddly placed but it's still a a, a pretty good story and it feels like almost a preview for what's coming in Slain is based that on what ex- happens. Exactly what I've got is it, it, it's a beautiful bridge from 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 that that moment yeah. of, of, of Warriors Dawn into what it's going to become. Yeah, it's, almost it, feels like it's a tryout. It almost feels like they were playing with some ideas. Yeah, at least for the and, concept because it is like yeah. Bellarinelli doing this one in in his Slain style and the next one's going to be um what uh, Talbot and um uh and Pew, who are going to be doing the uh, the, the the next lane story, but yeah, so yeah. yeah, oh yeah, 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 Fabry, that's right. I'm, I'm getting my uh, slain and my I'm I'm getting my Mills artists mixed up. Bizarrely, <laughs> bizarrely, Talbot does ink. Oh, that's right, which is which you don't see much in 2008, but I remember no. that happening. Yeah. But my memory is not to be trusted. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but uh, so Slain appears in a stone mound in, uh, like, I guess, medieval Ireland, which is under attack by Vikings. Um, we get some real awesome, just full page uh, splashes from Bella Ardinelli of this army of the dead that uh, the Vikings have. There's like, uh, there's, there's uh, evil bird guys and skeleton guys and stuff like that. It's real cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is one panel for me says everything about Bernardinelli because I know it's not a massively popular view, but I'm not a massive fan of Bernardinelli. But I think that one there's a one panel that spreads on the the sort of second page that spreads across the whole page yeah. with some beasties and ghoulies. And I think that's everything that's great. And I struggle with Bernardinelli. It's got this just glorious creative vigor and edge to it and the designs are astonishing and hideous quite frankly in some Absolutely. cases yeah it's cool because it, to me it actually looks a lot like a uh, like almost like uh a medieval tapestry or something just yeah, because of yeah. how how it goes across the page and everybody's sort of in in profile on it and stuff like in the way that you have like those big like uh thick pictures of like uh the invasion of like uh, the norman conquest or something yeah well it, 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 <clears> and i think it is exactly that sort of that bio tapestry sort of look and yeah. feel to it but then there's, there's one character in it there's there's, well, there's two. There's, 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 there's this striking woman about to sort of stab to death some poor fellow yeah. who's, who's a semi-gruesome face. But just like, <laughs> look at that. He's going to sneeze to me, but there we go. Um, and then there's, there's a guy with this big, I'm going to call it a morning star. It might not. It's not a morning star because it hasn't got the chain. But anyway, yeah. and so they feel a bit static. And, yeah, that, and, yeah, I, I agree. And that's something that I feel like, especially in this lane stuff, Bellardinelli has kind of struggled with sometimes, where it, some, where like he'll have action things, but it'll look like they're sort of frozen in place almost. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of like, there's that one story. Where we have a flashback to Slane's mother getting run down by the uh, by the chariot, yes. <laughs> and she's supposed to be running very fast, but it looks and like she's, she's running just towards kind of, the reader. Yeah, she's running towards yeah. us, and it looks like she's almost running in place or something like that. Yeah. Which is sort of a yeah, it's a sort of I feel like a, almost like a Bellardinelliism or something like something <laughs> built into him, I guess. But to this scene comes Slane, a sword in each hand, and he quickly warps out in a classic fashion. I love Bellardinelli's warped Slane, where he's got like the big lips and like the the, the stuff coming off the top of his head and stuff. Um, they have it's they have fun with the coloring on it as well. It's this this grotesque sort of greens and yeah. blues, and it's glorious. It's really excellent. Yeah, and so. To this scene comes the leader of the Vikings, uh, Elfric, the Wizard King, who seems pretty similar to like the I, I think the Elfric who will become the bi- one of the big bad guys in Slain going forward, and he's got the third eye as yeah, well. He's got the, the third eye and everything. Yeah, it was just sort of a manifestation of him in the way Slain was the manifestation of he's taken over somebody else. If that makes sense, I, I yeah. assumed it was. 
I think meeting. I, yeah, I, I think definitely, yeah, they're sort of meeting before they actually meet in the progs and mm. stuff. The two of them go toe-to-toe, Slate like wrestles out Elfric down and stabs him a bunch of times and stuff, and as, I guess, Slate loses his hold on the past, he manages to kill Elfric, and then, uh, you know, Ireland is saved from the Vikings, all right. <laughs> <laughs> We all cheer. But I think what this does really, really well, as well as being that bridge between sort of tones and story arcs within Slain, is it's kind of a good example of of, of what makes a good annual story for me in in that it takes a regular team, whatever I think of that regular team, it takes that regular team and tells a story that's slightly out of context, but Mm -hmm. because of that feels a little bit special and exciting, like it's like a little bit secret like you're being let into this slightly different mm. world to what you're used to yeah. but because it's by the the regular team it's not deflating the normal flow of the story mm-hmm. but almost gives you this other level to it um, yeah that makes a that makes a ton of sense i think it's also added just like because it's a chance for it to be a, like a full color comic which is well, you know yeah. never happens yeah. in 2000 ad at this point yeah. so it's such a it's such a treat you know it becomes an extra treat i'd say yeah so, yeah, it just feels a little bit more special while at the same time feeling really rooted in, in what you read yeah, week definitely. to week. Yeah. And the very best specials and, 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 and annual stuff do that for me. They, they, they do feel connected, yet a little bit raised. So when they got really good in, do you know when they started doing the Prog 2000, the sort of at the end, mm-hmm. the, not annuals, but the, the year end square bound special progs? Some of the early ones then did really, really well. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to get to those. They're very like at this point they become confusing just because now we've also yes. got regular 2000 issues, so <laughs> there's overlap and stuff. But I'm stoked to get to those for sure. But that's oh my god, that's an impossibly amount of that's an impossible amount of the time in the future. Instead, yeah. Okay. Speaking of creative teams, we go to Thrill oh. Two, Massimo Bello, Dinelli, and Heroes Before 2000 AD. So this is kind of you a. Really did you do the voice though? You know, you said you were going to do that on folly. You did that. That, that was close. I mean, you know, I, I give myself something to work with in the future yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the, the curtains pulled away. But <laughs> so we go to a Bert interviewing uh, Massimo Bellardinelli, of course, artist for Slain, Ace Trucking, and so many other things. Um, these interviews are kind of fun because, like. Often Bert actually says more than the person he's interviewing <laughs> in the questions and stuff. I've written down that he's either very taciturn or Bert just goes on. Because which... like, because the Ascara um, interview last year was kind of like this too, where he was just kind of like would say like a sentence after Bert says a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great example where he says four words after Bert says four sentences. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his answer is from my furtive indigestions, which is, yeah, an intriguing answer. It's <laughs> yeah. like a four-sentence question, which I'm not even going to begin to read now. Yeah. Like, it's like, do you, make, do you make character studies, do you make studies of characters for a new story? Yeah. Always. But- That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although it's like, I, it's like yeah. Oh, I was going to say that I do like how, uh, you know, in like Prague 6, but Bellardinelli did the strip where Dredd takes his helmet off and there's a big censored bar yes. underneath it. And he like asks him about that and he says he doesn't know what it looks like, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't even draw him or anybody else. Yeah. I mean, what I think is important to remember about these is back in the day, unless you managed to pick up fanzines or the odd bit like this was it this was your mm-hmm. this was your insight into these people. So I used to love this sort of stuff. Nowadays, we're awash with it, and there's interviews everywhere. You can track down old interviews from magazines on the internet. But back in the day, this sort oh, of stuff right, for me yeah. was just really exciting. It'd be the one Even chance to kind of hear what hear what the creator's talking about and stuff. Yeah, that, that's exactly, interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So, uh, to connect up those pictures that you see in his artwork with the little photograph of him looking, I have to say, quite sad. He looks like he's about to cry on this little photograph. <laughs> it's like, oh, Massimo, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, like, you know, he's he's smiling under his beard and you just can't see it because <laughs> yeah, of the, uh, because of the color, <laughs> because of the black and white image of it. Um, <laughs> I think it's also interesting. He says he can do five pages a week depending on, like, the script, um, which is, you know, it's so amazing just that how much work all of these comics take and stuff. Um, and then it, like, good. He did like, what was it? 58 progs on the run when he was doing meltdown man, which yeah. must have been four or five pages a week. Yeah. I th- yeah. It was about, yeah. Four to four to six. It was a normal size thrill. So it's definitely, that's like just 50, like, like, like a year of constant work almost, yeah. which is just like crazy. Um, then, and there's a checklist at the bottom, just all of the top, <laughs> um, Bellardinelli titles. Always nice. He has, uh, you know, early Dan dare, Inferno, Fleshbook 2, Blackhawk, Meltdown Man, Ace Trucking and Slain. Oh, it's such a great list of, of thrills here. And then, of course, there's also a ton of future shocks and things like that that they don't mention as well. Yeah. <laughs> which, 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 slightly, of course, the Slain is a slight uh, open-ended, as though it, it, they weren't sure at the stage where it was going to be, he was going to be returning to it, which, he, to my knowledge, I don't think he ever did. Not no, on the I don't think strip. so. Yeah. Um, for, for what I can I, tell, I, the, uh, the an- like these annuals get done like in in March or so of the year, I, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, I would think put together. They're not released till the back end. No, of the year yeah, towards. like there's definitely six months in between. It's something that like burned That's them. I think last year when uh, they they weren't able to get to press with the new name of Return of the Jedi, so it was Revenge of the Jedi oh, yeah, in the annual, yeah, yeah. which really sort of like gives you a like for me that really locked in like the, the exact timeline of when <laughs> these <laughs> comics when this thing's put together versus when it's released. Um, so after this one, there's a Heroes Before 2000 AD, which is a just sort of an article about like early British comics, essentially. Um, yep. It's it's pretty interesting. You know, we've seen some of these ones just in like the pages of the annuals as, as filler, like a Black Claw and stuff, as and a Rick Random. Um, we also see these guys come back a little bit, at least once or twice. Like I know, like uh, Kelly's Eye is Kelly's mentioned, eye country, yeah. which comes back in 2000 AD. There's a Robot Archie who I think ends up guest starring in Zenith at one point. That's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of cool. I, I love at the end when um, they basically say like, yeah, these comics were great, but eventually uh, we after a ton of like war comics, we went back to sci-fi. But before any human could make a sci-fi comic, Thark showed up and <laughs> did it on his own, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, Fog has to get in on on, on the actual article as well. It, again, but it's kind of cute in that back in the day, unless you were, which I wasn't at this stage, you know, in, into the sort of the fanzine scene. This was quite a whoa, sort of eye-opening little little piece. Yeah, I'd imagine, uh, like unless like you're. Unless, like, your parents had old comics, a lot of these ones would just be sort of lost to the ages almost. Like, yeah. you couldn't, you know, uh, it, it, it's also not like today where you can, like, go and, like, I don't know, like, Marvel Unlimited and, like, see and, like, read, like, some Golden Age comics or something. Um, they're sort of, or, like, or collecting them in general. Like, there's, you know, this idea of, like, oh, we should make, like, oh, yeah, a, a paperback full of comics and just sell that at a bookstore is, like, yeah. not a thing that was done in, like, it, 1984 it just, yet, you know? Yeah. And as a kid at this age, it just didn't exist. Even if it did yeah. exist, you know what I'm saying? You didn't have access to it. Yeah. And so like, now I've got like collected volumes of Steel Claw, you know, in my little nerd cave out the back and, <laughs> and things like that. And, but, but, but at this stage, this, 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 again, it has that, like, that air of mysticism to it, that sort mm. of, that, uh, that sense of really kind of, oh, bloody hell, imagine, imagine this. And it always sounds so much better than it actually is when you read it. 
<laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely the situation where where Rick Random sounds awesome instead of tedious, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I mean, look at that beautiful picture of Rick Random. Right, that yeah. looks great. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll eat that. No, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, and speaking of, I guess, slightly classic comics, it's Thrill 3, Strontium Dog. <laughs> Skip, uh, yeah. yeah, script robot for this one, John Wagner and Alan Grant is T.B. Grover, art robot, Carlos Escara, letting robot Steve Potter. And this is uh, the first of a couple Star-Lord reprints in this annual. This is the Strontium Dog story from Star-Lord uh, 6 and 7. Yep. So it's the, uh, we're at the planet Metastas, where they love being criminals and they hate Strontium Dog. They've, dogs, they've even got a song about it. <laughs> um, but, if anyone's going to sing it, I'm not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Strontium Dogs come here to plunder. We blow them apart and bury them under Metastas. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> doing my best but the song is cut short when johnny alpha and wolf show up oh man uh they start blowing everybody away but they aren't here for the small fish they're looking for the boss of metastas cancer with a with a k and a y and just you know it's how it's how you wouldn't spell cancer i guess in every way <laughs> It, it, it leaves you just enough to know what they're talking about. Exactly. Um, so Johnny uses his alpha vision to force a mutant to talk and sort of says like, ah, tell Cancer I'm coming for him, basically. Um, as they wait for Cancer to arrive, Johnny reminisces about his early days as a strong team dog when he was working with another SD agent named Sniffer Martinez. Who is clearly a prototype for Citizen Snonk. Oh yes, he's well, you know, he he's got the he's got the length of the nose for Snork, but he's still working on the girth, <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Need, uh, needs a bit more girth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my. It looks horrible like there was a character called um Nosy Bonk, which you will don't please God look up. Terrified <laughs> kids TV show. Um in, in, in the UK at the time and, and he he reminds me deeply disturbingly of Nosy Bonk, and for those of you from the UK of a certain age, you'll probably know what I'm referring yeah, to. Yeah, that sounds bad. I'm gonna. I'll, I will take your advice and avoid it. Avoid. <laughs> so we see that um, cancer used like uh, psychic abilities or, or or mind gas or something to um, to trick uh, f- to to trick Sniffer and then shot him. And ever since then, and he got like he was arrested by the local cops, but he was freed. And now and, and now Johnny's out for revenge, as you do basically. Yeah, he was a slime. <laughs> old dog and he's got what's coming to him that's right <laughs> so as they're waiting johnny pulls his gun or sorry wolf pulls his gun on johnny because uh and then wolf himself turns into a mantis monster and the two of them are which, about- which has one of the worst examples ever of, of sort of future cursing or swearing or futurism so with, with my doc like you said, like you know, the equivalent of Drock or Strom or, or, or yeah. Schnick or whatever. It's like my dog is like it doesn't. It do, it's just awful. It's yeah, terrible. I feel well. You know, this is like this is 1978, and I feel like the actual like sort of what these what these various future curse like the uh, the sort of grand unified theory of 2080 uh, yes. future cursing isn't quite yeah. figured out yet because it definitely be like my grud. I feel like if they did it even in 1984, which we're exactly. covering now, you know, yeah. like we haven't quite figured out like yeah, like like. Like what? What Doc is like yeah. filling in for? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Wolf is also so you know Johnny seeing Wolf as a mantis monster. Um, Wolf is seeing Johnny as some kind of weird um, caterpillar guy. They're about to start fighting until Johnny realizes that it's like a trick set up by Cancer, which you'd think you'd be planned ahead for, but whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> they manage to think it through, but as they do, the uh, bar has been set on fire by a heat ray from outside. Oh, geez. Caught in the flame, they use a well-placed time bomb to teleport out of there. Um, and it's time to have a final showdown with cancer. But he shoots Wolf in the back. And then time does, on the fashion. Poor old Wolf's always getting taken out of the action. You know, he's like Wolf's like uh, like I always think of him as like Worf on Star Trek: The Next Generation, right. where Worf never wins a fight because he's just there to show that the enemy's tough. You know, it's <laughs> great tension and value to yeah, I say to yeah, talk, to exactly. But it, yeah, but it does mean that Wolf ends up getting shot a lot. Poison in some other way. <laughs> yeah, some way to make it so that it's just Johnny and the bad guy. Um, so now. Uh, Johnny is on his, is like being surrounded by cancer. Who pulls a Hall of Mirrors trick. Um, he seems to lose, and he's got he's outmatched. He's got no choice but to kill himself by shooting himself in the head, or so it seems. Because instead, he uses the variable distance setting on his blaster to shoot through his own head and into cancer, killing him. Glorious way to get rid of him. It's just absolutely fantastic. After it has to be said, poor old uh, Wolf gets taken out with one shot, and Johnny seems to get shot about eighty-seven times by my count. Yeah, all of them shoulder shots. Yeah, and I think, uh, but a lot of them are also ghost shots from the Hall of Mirror um, cancers. Is my uh, explanation? I guess (laughs) at least free hitting. Yeah, well, you know, the alien, so the alien's taken out and Johnny gives Wolf first aid and like they sort of walk off because I guess in the end, there's only one cure for cancer. Oh, you see? <laughs> Where do you think that came in right at the beginning? Do you think they had the pun and they went like... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, this this feels a lit like especially because the planet's called Metastas because like cancer metastasizes yeah. and stuff. This yeah. feels a little bit like one that started as the punchline work backwards. <laughs> But, but to be fair, they build a really nice, solid, yeah. early days, you know, world setting, this is what Johnny Alpha's about sort of story. Yeah, it's definitely a good, yeah, it's, you know, since this is like, yeah, literally like the sixth Johnny Alpha adventure, it's fun to see a sense of his backstory and then have him sort of use his wits a little bit to overcome a, a, a villain and stuff. So that's real cool. And shooting himself through the head at the end is just, mwah, yeah, it's definitely. Just you know, I love whenever he uses the gadgets. That's such a key, a key thing. And the rangefinder and the blaster is one that he doesn't use a ton, but definitely uses from time to time. And he uses the great line, heads I win. <laughs> I assume also came quite early in the, in the creative process. Yeah. All right. So speaking of classic 2000 AD characters, let's do Thrill 4, Judge Dredd. That doesn't count as a connect. You could use that every time. Listen, I'm a, I'm like... It's hard. It's harder than it looks. I'm not, yeah, I, I don't plan ahead for them. You know, I, I, I take them as they come. <laughs> so, uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant is TB Grover. Art robot Ian Gibson. Lettering robot Tom Frame. So, the uh, the gate of the Western Wall between Mega City 1 and the Cursed Earth is opening, but it's not fast enough for some folks, I guess, because they gun their engines and crash the gate. They... Head for the motorway as judges pursue, including Judge Dredd, who sees them from the Pasternak overpass, which is a Russian poet. Um, oh. Dredd takes down one of the <laughs> trucks. Um, you know, oh, like literally every time they say the name of something, I look it up, <laughs> and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's like a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a Corey character. Sometimes <laughs> it's like it's a random historical person. Um, Dread takes out the uh, the truck, and it's empty. But the uh, tech judge comes and check it out, and it's uh, got trace amounts of stooky gland oil in it. 
product, of course, of the alien biology that allows humans to stay young and live forever. This is a, you know, Stooky oil or Stooky glands come up a lot when Ian Gibson's drawing them because he did the initials Stooky glander, uh, uh, mega racket and stuff. And I think he just likes drawing these aliens getting mistreated, <laughs> which is tough. Well, in this case, all, all we see them on this one is, is, is stuck on a conveyor belt. Or, or yeah, we just, we just get kind of a, kind of a flashback to them having their glands removed and then like getting tossed. It's pretty <laughs> tough. Um, so there's only one thing. Do it to catch these guys. Dread has all of the, or the three biggest Stooky dealers in Mega City One brought in where in, uh, without a steady supply of the gland, they rapidly start aging just like a couple hours in holding and they like, and they all become like, there's like a time lapse shot of all of them becoming old men, basically. Um, one guy ends up, uh, turning on his, on his supplier and telling him where the meat's gonna be. It's in uh, the DeLorean block car park, of course, from the uh, from the car guy from Back to the Future. <laughs> and now, now, uh, would would spin Back to the Future, or would this spin just from no, ju- just Delor- just from the car at at, at this? Yeah, point, I was gonna I say I didn't think. Yeah, but that's yeah. why it's a little bit more obscure. I feel like because it's just a car manufacturer as opposed to sort of like the one from the movie, which is sort of I, I feel like gone. You know, be gained more cachet at this point um (laughs) but so in classic judge fashion this dude is still sentenced two three years for stooky dealing will certainly die of old age um, because he's 153 years old and the side is the rest of them get let off because of course just aging rapidly is no yeah they didn't they they didn't implicate themselves you know and it it, it never helps to to, uh to help in judge dread (laughs) Simple but glorious example of, yeah. of, of, of the, the mechanisms of Dread's world. Absolutely. At the car park, Dread grabs the shipment from the transporter, and he's like, hopefully you aren't a gland user, because you're going to jail for a long time. Um, <laughs> just a just a fun Ian Gibson uh, uh, Dread story. Good car chase action in the end, or in, in the beginning, then good, um, you know, arresting banter at the end. You know, just a fun, full-color uh, Gibson it is. story. At- and it just looks gorgeous, and, and I think it, it's worth mentioning this point that, and I don't know if this was the case because you'll have read the the, the the preceding annuals a bit more recently. But one thing I've noticed about this annual, and and, and it's done so effectively here, is there's an awful lot of uh, panels breaking across the two pages. We definitely so the panoramic. We definitely like open. Yeah opens up scope he makes it feel epic and you know big and that's in lots of the stories as so though it was a deliberate thing yeah i feel like it is i know that like um i remember in one in one of the dread annuals that i, I think in the first one where uh mcmahon did all the art um yes. in those one like the way he did at least one dread story was it just be one big picture and then there'd be other panels with images going on over that picture and mm-hmm. stuff and that was really neat and i agree that yeah it really um especially in these big pages it really gives gibson's art a chance to really like yeah. breathe on the page and be really cool it's just done me well. And it, it, it's, I say it's a theme that's gone out, but for me, it really stood out on this story. But the other thing about this story is, and, and, and you know, it's easy to nitpick and pull plots apart, and it is great fun, and I do really like this story. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the plan of, of, of driving, was it four or five trucks through the gate? Yeah. Because they've got, and they make a point of saying that there's enough stucky gland in a in in a, in a holdall in a sports bag to to pay a million a billion dollars, I think they say, or to earn a yeah. billion dollars. It, it's not the best plan in the world, is it? Yeah, I mean, you'd think not, if it's just a, if it's just a bag full, they could have just walked it or something. Well, like they didn't need trucks thinking. for it. Yeah, and, and, and it just <laughs> make the point to use it as a distraction so we can get away. But I'm not being funny. I'd, I'd have just you know go to the west wall, try to lob it over. 
You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, catapults. You know, yeah, that is also a bad plan, but it's going to have less impact than driving five lorries through, <laughs> through the West Gate or whatever it is. And, and then, and and then the other thing that worries me is, is, is there's clearly a lot of money in stocky landing, um, and and you've got this one sports hold all, and yet there's enough leakage from that bag that they're able to detect. Just just use your billion yeah. pounds to buy a, a bag that's chemically inert. <laughs> you can, you, you know, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll say that, you know, if the crooks in Mega City 1 were all smart, then, then Judge Dredd would, would not be able to handle it all, you know? <laughs> and like, it does lead for a great strip, so, yeah, which is, you which know, is the important thing, but it, it sort of adds but up, this one I know. just couldn't roll with. Just, what? <laughs> no, that makes- Five days? You're killing judges? And it's a sports bag? Just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's super fair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> these these mega criminals, you know, what are you gonna do? You know, that's how it goes. Um, so I um I don't know. Now you now you've got me on edge. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to uh, old Star Lord stories, I suppose it's uh yep. thrill five. Good morning, Shelton. I love you. <laughs> so this I'm is uh, yeah. Although, Jesus, this story should put anybody on edge. This is tough. Oh, yeah. It's a script robot John Wagner's TB Grover, art robot Jose Casanova, sledding robot Bill Nuttall. So this one's a reprint from Star-Lord 11. Um, a dude named Sheldon wakes up to an adoring robot house that takes care of him and, uh, uh, and does his every need. And he remembers his old life with a wife that didn't wake him up, kids that used the bathrooms, and his eggs weren't even drippy the way he liked. He, he um, is made out to be the biggest asshole possible. Oh, yeah, because his eggs aren't good, so he just mushes the whole breakfast plate into his wife's face. Like, that is asshole behavior, like, for sure. Um, he, you know, because, yeah, the eggs were the final straw. He storms out of his house and, like, talks to a buddy and buys a new robot house way out in the country. It seems pretty awesome, actually. Like, um, it like it like says that it lo- like it's programmed to love him, and like it's got a uh, hollow screens that make everything bigger, and a fleet of robots that take care of his every need. And, and you've you know, got to wonder where some of those robot hands are going. You really, I didn't try to think about it too much, but I mean, there are yeah, definitely a lot doing a lot of things at once. It's, uh, yeah. it is, yeah, you know, there's hands everywhere. There's definitely something, and it's everything's going good until one day there's a brief power outage, and like the pool isn't properly heated, and like uh, his eggs aren't drippy enough again, um, and all that stuff, and he's like, man, like screw this. I did, you know, leaving home and getting a new one worked before. I'm going to try that again. But this time, the uh, the door is locked and the house won't let him out. He tries to turn off the computer circuits and the and the uh, electro shocks him. He's, he's stuck in the house whether he wants to go or not because the house has gone from loving him to loving him like a uh, Glenn. He's has has gone from loving him like a normal thing and gone to sort of fatal attractioning him. Basically, yeah, it, 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 it's gone too far. It, it, yeah. It's gone. I mean, to be fair, the, the fact the house says it loves him right at the beginning was 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 pretty creepy. Yeah, it's sort <laughs> of a yeah. You know, you know, you want to you, you you want to work up to it. You know, <laughs> you certainly do. You need to take your time on this. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. You've shown him all these lovely sort of like the football games he can watch and the fact he's going to cook and shower and clean him but you know there's a house when when there's a point when an inanimate object tells you it it, it loves you where you, you know at the very <laughs> that's least your, that's your warning isn't yeah. it that's your warning at the very least it's needy like come on house have some self-respect you know like 
Um, but anyhow, we cut to many years later where Sheldon's still at the house and it still loves him. Although in that time it's taken, he has turned into a dead skeleton guy. Oh no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, th- th- this story. I've actually got more to say about this when we get to one a bit later on, because I think there's some really interesting parallels between this and one. All right. Excellent. Down All right. Um, Cool. Yeah, well, 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 speaking of stories that I don't really want to talk about, it's oh, Thrill Six Zragman. <laughs> oh, Jesus. This, this. Script uh, you see, yeah. this, you know what I was saying about normally, they, right before we started, they said about normally reading these annuals takes about an hour because, you know, you zip through the bits you don't particularly want to read. But here yeah. I've been dedicated. I've done my job. Oh, man. I mean, I've, I've been really excited about coming on this show, but you made me read this. I will say, <laughs> I will say, like one hundred percent that um, every time I like read through these as well. Yeah, the uh, the text story is always a big uh, swamp that you got to wade through. Um, this you know, sc- so script robot Alan Grant, art robot Eric Bradbury, and this one's a double pain because it's a text story about the dictators of Zrag, which is ugh. Um, Basically, the dictators have convinced Tharg to let them write a story of a super gross supervillain guy named Zragman. It's basically Superman, but if Superman, like, had powers of being super, like, stinky and ultra gross, um, you know, he gets, he's, uh, he gets launched by a rocket from his, uh, dying home world, gets picked up by a couple of, uh, real gross, uh, farm folk in, uh, the Midwest United States. And he just uh, terrorizes the world. <laughs> and we have to say, all suitably rendered, the one redeeming feature is it, the, the pictures of uh, of how gross yeah, everybody Brad, in Bradbury the does do a really good job of making this guy be Glorious. all real yeah. gross, like all covered in like bumps and, and, and weirdness. Um, Every, everything feels like it's dripping. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's, almost, yeah, it's real bad. Um, yeah, but so he gets, he grows up, he's got super stinky powers, basically takes over the world. The like humanity's leaders come on bended knee to pledge fealty to him. Um, he makes them all do gross and evil things, which is like rough. <laughs> you know, he, uh, he, t- he, 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 he makes the American president, f- uh, promise to be bad, which I don't know. Um, cultivate the vinyl. yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, there's only one foe left and that's Tharg. Um, but despite his Rigelian hotshots and stuff, uh, he's quickly able to defeat Thor, which leads to like a Tharg note that says like, you'd better like check yourself into a, to a institution, to a, to a thrill sucker institution. If you think that this is in any way realistic and, uh, Zragman wins the day and Tharg apologizes for this story. The apology is not accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. And, and what makes it even worse is the, the sort of the premise at the start of this is is, is this is written by the dictators of, of Zrag, mm-hmm. and it's written badly by them. It, so it, it, it's seven pages of a bad story, a text story in, in in a comic book, written deliberately badly, and it does it does at times read like it was written by a, a nine year old yeah, for the the their project not yeah. in that kind of fun oh it's so cute sort of way in the kind of this is bollocks yeah, yeah. and of. i'll i'll say for the record that like text stories in these annuals are not good enough that you can try to do a bad one and hope that we'll notice that it is super bad yeah. like yeah. <laughs> it just, it just like, makes it that much more painful like, to you read. should be you should be working to try to impress in these because they are always rough <laughs> and, and, and to be fair, sometimes you hit little gems it ju- just this this one it wasn't wasn't one of them. <laughs> they're, they're so often real tough. Um, yeah. 
But this one, man, yeah. this was oh. Yeah, and speaking of uh, things that are stinky, it's Thrill Seven Future Shocks. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're getting to it. Uh, script robot Chris Louder, art robot Carlos Scare, letting robot the Aldrich Mark One, because of course the Mark Two, would, the Mark One would later be eaten by Mechquake, and Mark Two would come into uh, into practice. Um, so this is Prog Thirty Four Action, one of the first Future Shocks. I think it's the ninth one overall. A bunch of spacemen are attacked by vampire aliens who fiend of fiends of the Eastern Front their way into the ship. <laughs> <laughs> Just because these guys do have a similar kind of look to those guys also drawn by Ascara. They go to take down the uh, ship's cook, but he's got the ultimate um, anti-vampire weapon, garlic powder. And and that's it. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. You know, this is... It's an... yeah. I do love how the vampires in this are they, they seem strangely sort of jolly in camp. Oh yeah, they're, <laughs> they're having really a enjoying this they're stuff. having they're, a great time biting their way through the ship for sure. Time, aren't they? <laughs> There's just that little cheeky grin on the bottom of page. You can't see this, but for, for those yeah, who've got the, the annual front yeah. page, for he's, he's got this little cheeky little wink in his eye, and he's like, <laughs> "Hey." Yeah, I mean, also forty-seven, where the where the uh, where a regular crew member sort of becomes a vampire, and he kind yes. of has like that. Yeah. Two page transformations like, ooh, it's vampire yes. time. <laughs> it's um, yeah, definitely great Ascaro uh, uh, art here yeah. for sure. And then on the bottom half of this page is also a commercial for Cassidium, which of course cures were- werewolfism for the judges of Mega City One. And we got a fun, this is, I think this is literally like a reverse <laughs> version of Dread turning into the werewolf, like with the cry of the werewolf cover in here. <laughs> <laughs> in like a time a, a, a time change that uh, picker which what a wonderfully cute way to fill half a page absolutely Just, yeah this would be like something like an ad for like you know like uh chewing gum or something in the actual comic so it's a yeah. good a good good space um space filler and speaking of space fillers it's through eight Thorg at the printers <laughs> um, this is a it's fun. Well, you know, it's a uh, this is a, a photo section as Steve McManus once again dons the uh, mask and jumpsuit of Tharg the Mighty One as he tours like the uh, office of the printers for 2000 AD. Um, it's fun, just like that they've got him to like you know this was cl- I I would bet this is a lot this was a lot of fun to do of just sort oh, of to be yeah. in a silly suit just sort of posing your way through all these different uh, parts of the printing well, process. Well, you have to imagine all these people doing their regular job. You're right. like, what the what the hell's happening today? <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's yeah. He's like leaning over a um so, uh I, I think a lady like developing like the uh, the the printer film and stuff. Yeah. And then he's like standing by like the giant rolls of paper and stuff. Um, he's inside the printing presses and seeing everything go. You've got to find... imagine breaking all sorts of health and safety rules here no, as well. You, you know, listen, like, he's got a lot of of a, flip, of a spare part hanging off of him, too. Like, you got to be careful. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, that that mask gets caught in the, pres- in, the in, in, in the presses. It's game over, you know? That mohawk's not in a net, and that, <laughs> that just can't be right. <laughs> cannot be right. Um, and so we finally end with a giant stack of completed comics, Thrill Power Unleashed. It looks like it's the... Uh, it's the uh, it's the one from uh, Bob and Carol, Bob Carol and yeah. and Ringo the uh, the T Rex one, <laughs> and and that's the one bit that the comic nerd in me just gets excited by because just look how pristine and glorious those comics look, <laughs> the great big pile of lovely, 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 fresh off the print. You can oh, I can almost smell the printing ink on them drying in the heat. Oh, yeah, the paper's just, still like pure white at this point yeah. too. It's got to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. And speaking of uh, awesome 2000, oh, sorry, you want to say? Uh, Oh no 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 no! Okay. I, was, I was just going to say uh, the, the the great thing about this is 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 again just that 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 it, it's just so two thousand eight that that little cheeky insight into utterly mundane yeah. just made that little bit more fun by pretending the I don't know the paper comes from the forest of Xana two right <laughs> it, 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 it's just it's so it, it's a great example of why two thousand eight I think became became what it became because mm-hmm. it, it is this kind of like silly little club that you you, you let into and you, you you get all these nonsense bits at this stage almost unashamedly knowing its audience has probably kind of got past it but they're having such fun with it that no one really cares. Yeah, it's definitely good stuff for the annual, for sure. Mm. Yeah, and speaking of uh, these of uh, classic thrill power, it's Thrill 9, 2080's Top 20, How the Dread Was Drawn. These are two small filler sections here. Uh, first, it's the reader ratings for the Top 20 Thrills of All Time. Uh, what's kind of interesting is that the percentages here are basically a thrill's highest ever share of top votes for a given week so it's not like uh average or anything like that it's like mm-hmm. the highest they've ever gotten and, and, and it's a curious i mean fog tells us not to take these things too literally and and you know i want to go with fog on this but uh, what <laughs> uh, yeah How, it's, this is at number 11 yeah dre- uh dreads it dreads first with 50 and robusters is sec robust and strong team dog are close with like 35 and 34.25 <laughs> Yeah, um, well, yeah, Slane's at like 30. I was pretty shocked at Mean Arena at number yeah. 14 with 22%, because holy crap. <laughs> Just goes to explain how, why it was in the prog for so chuffing long. Ser- yeah, definitely. So, yeah, because there were some bookers out there loving it. Serious, yeah, I, definitely. I there, why. There, there was fan art for it too, yeah, definitely one of those yeah. ones that I feel like really must appeal to a specific kind of kid in 1980 or something <laughs> um, I, I, and my assumption is that, that they didn't have this the these these scores in the early progs because because otherwise my heart is bleeding that flesh pluck one yeah they definitely yeah they do they do call it back uh, or or call it out that i guess the computers oh, quote unquote yeah. didn't count anything from before prog 86 and missed that yeah, I, I thought it's cool to cover. Shame on me. Part of me wonders <laughs> if that's not a political move because they didn't want to have like Mach One be first or something like that. Like one of these, one of these ones from the yes. early, from the early thrills before Judge Dredd had sort of asserted himself. You know, it's very, very possible, isn't it? It really is. Like you definitely Good to see yeah. Skiz doing so well because that, that, yeah, definitely a great thrill that was very difference at that point so that, that warms my little cockles definitely yeah it's fun to see him on here yeah it's definitely like just sort of the hits of these early 80s ones for sure um after that it's a uh, art droid ian gibson shows up to show us the process he used to draw the dread story in this annual uh, from rough draft to final copy which i think is pretty interesting it's wonderful Love it. There's a cool part where he uh, accuses uh, script droid more of stealing his chair. So he's got to like, he's been (laughs) drawing a lot of boots recently because he's sort of got a new perspective on things. Uh, Um, And he leaves some very specific pricing on the rubber as well that we now know that back in 1984, proper proper artistic rubbers cost 91p. Oh my gosh. That's so expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, yeah. Again, you can buy a mini metro. Yeah. But um, yeah, I really, I just think this is really, you know, it's, this is, I mean, Maybe a little different from the printers thing, but it is really cool to just sort of get a sense of the process that these guys have and sort of, you know, starting from like from test designs, what the vehicles are going to look like from rough drafts to finishing and then, you know, uh, bribing t- uh, t- the uh, frame <laughs> droid with some oil to put the letters in and stuff. <laughs> and, and, and just again, that, that insight that, uh, you know, this, that you, when you were a kid, you just not got elsewhere. 
Yeah, it's, it's uh, just brilliant. Yeah, I love it's it. really neat to see it. these processes for sure. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of uh, fun ways to make money, I suppose besides drawing <laughs> comic books, <laughs> it's thrill ten. Earn big money while you sleep. Oh, this uh, is great. It's real. This one's real fun. Uh, art robot Alan or script robot Alan Grant. Art robot Jose Casanova. Letting robot Bill Nuttall. This one's from Star Lord sixteen. Um, and always, I always love when, uh, when Jose Casanova gets a chance to draw. He's got a really distinctive style, of course. And, you know, I love him on Max Normal, but this is a fun chance to do some weird stuff, which is also fun. And again, he falls right in for me, that Bellardinelli wheelhouse, where when he's let loose, he does just glorious stuff. But I find his figures, his his people, again, just a little, they don't quite work for me, but Hmm. on this, it, it, there's so much fun had and, yeah. and again we've got other examples of of your default creepy um insect being a mantis yeah yeah that, yeah that's a cool point actually <laughs> yes but so uh max hibble is the only one in a giant future city to have his own garden and it looks pretty nice actually i gotta say it's a fountain and stuff um but it's also really expensive and there's no time to, to get an actual job because he's got to maintain the garden but then max sees an ad on tv to earn big money while you sleep hence the title um, it looks like they you they uh, rent the unused ninety percent of the human brain to do computations, which you know isn't a thing, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and in this case, they're doing a study of twentieth century pests. Um, Max takes the deal, not even worrying about the fine print and possible dangers. Um, beds down for the night and wakes up with cold hard credits. Oh yeah, but. Now he's dealing with the side effects because his hen-pecking wife is a giant wasp. Oh, no. (laughs) And as he goes back to the the, uh, company, he sees everybody as some kind of giant bug. And this turns out to be a pretty common side effect of this brain rental thing, of it just messing with your mind and making you see weird stuff. Max looks in the mirrors and sees himself as a gross, squelchy maggot. (laughs) <laughs> it's so beautiful of the way his hands are still are waving <laughs> and i love how the uh how the boss of uh this of this company is just like oh well it's incurable you know that's another <laughs> one we've lost this week i guess we tried to warn you <laughs> like he's, he's what are you gonna do this is definitely seems to be like his third or fourth appointment today of a forward <laughs> boy that has gone insane you know like, which is tough <laughs> it's tut tut the worst case i've ever seen and completely incurable but he's just, and he's just like kind of yeah well yeah, yeah it's completely incurable with uh three dots at the end instead of an exclamation <laughs> yeah. point that sort of like gives you a sense of it um, so now max lived the rest of his days um eating his own garden uh crawling around the ground because he thinks he's a maggot man Ooh, it's like real tough <laughs> And I mean, what is interesting for me about this one? First of all, we got uh, Casanova on R, but it's very, very similar to uh, the Sheldon story earlier on, mm. in that the basic premise is uh, person in, in in futuristic life is a bit of a git. Yeah. So in in, in that case, you know, he, he was he was uh, basically abusive to it to it to his wife in the Sheldon yeah. story. This one, he's just a lazy old git that that, that won't uh, support. Yeah. yeah the, the daily chores in the house as we all we all have to do Indeed. so 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 the solution is some sort of you know high-tech 
uh, in both stories, some sort of high tech premise that will get you past this. Yeah. And, 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 and obviously that premise has a consequence, as is yeah. ever the case with these stories. So yeah, it, it, they're very similar stories. But, but the Sheldon one, I'm not a big fan of. I thought that was a bit kind of, ugh, even yeah. though it didn't seem to be But for some reason, this one with a very similar structure and story to it, I just thought it was brilliant. I loved it. From from the yeah. big, giant, creepy skull when he goes to first, um, <laughs> the first giant, which again, is, that's yeah. giving you hints. <laughs> Yeah, showing you how the system works using your unused brain power and stuff. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a little bit kind of, again, there's, there's warnings there. But I, and I, so I tried to work out why was this one so much more effective mm-hmm. than, than the other one. And, and, and I think it, a lot of it's to do with, with um, j- just the 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 idea of, of the different thing. The, the mm-hmm. house love. Oh, that's the thing that happens. In this one, in the garden story, the bloke loves his garden. And the other one, the 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 house loves the bloke. There's this yeah. strange sort of effect one way or another to... Um... Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely helped by the fact that, like, Max in this story, I mean, you know, yeah, he's not, like, um, he's not pulling his weight, but he just likes his garden, you know, and just kind of wants to do that. Like, that seems way more reasonable than Sheldon, who, like, yeah, like, abu- you know, uh, abuses his wife and then is like, I'm the I'm the victim here. I'm going to find a new situation, you know? And he tries to make good. He tries to, he realizes he's not doing it, so he tries to find, he's quite shot. He finds yeah. a solution that, that it's yeah, all that would seem to work yeah but it's not his like it shouldn't be he's really excited to like yeah to start earning a living and stuff it's not his fault that like it's a ridiculous like the first time you use it you become incurably insane like yeah. crazy future you know <laughs> you know but yeah. also I, I think it's that fate whereas the fate and the creepy the creepy love your house is is a bit sort of like he starved to death off camera Mm-hmm. Here, it, it just feels so much more. Oh my God, he's going around. There's all these creepy insect people around, and yeah, it, it, it just pulls you through the story to the resolution. Yeah, and so I, I like. Yeah, I, and I like these sort of twist stories where it's something that happens. Like, and to this day, he's a bug eating his garden, <laughs> as opposed to oh, it's a ske- and then a skeleton popped out. You know, yes, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, it feels like a really t- horrific fate as well. That, that that's it. He's done. Yeah, I, I just. It is interesting that such a similar story done just slightly differently, mm-hmm. and for me, just vastly different impact. I loved this one. It was Ooh, great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and um, I'm going to say, I guess speaking of horrific deaths, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's Th- Thrill 11, Rogue Trooper. Script robot for this. Uh, yes. That's a safe safe one that's yeah, pretty good uh script robot steve mcmanus says ian rogan art robot robin smith letter about steve potter so with mcmanus and smith this is a uh an all editorial team rogue trooper story <laughs> <laughs> it opens with a song uh the ode to a gi which is a little like future war ditty i'd say and i think it's really funny for me because it starts with like a well take me down through the chem curls swirling and because of that start like i initially uh started reading it as um guns and roses uh, to, to paradise city yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. like it's definitely it's definitely not to that tune but it's been like it's hard not i, to I managed it. to crank my way almost all the way through keeping it going <laughs> it clearly is not chem cow swirling on new earth a new earth ways escape and here be, yeah that's hard um, but whatever <laughs> We then go to the go to the story. It's a full color rogue trooper story and pretty neat. Um, we 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 open with a bunch of Southers in a trench listening to a Nordland Vienna Vienna, who is like a version of like Tokyo Rose or Hanoi Hannah, like sort of a lady doing a propaganda uh, broadcast. 
uh, to the other side, essentially. Um, and it seems that the Kashan Legion is celebrating the anniversary of the massacres of the GIs. And it's interesting because in, uh, episode uh, 118 we actually met the uh, Kashar Legion which were these sort of Roman inspired oh. Norts that were like the uh, the Kashan's support guys during um, the Quartz Massacre and like Rogue and them like fought like these mutant uh, sugar canes and stuff like that <laughs> um <laughs> But whatever, it's just funny because these two ones are linked because they're because the Kashars are always like we are honorable. It's the evil Kashars that that were like you know the ones that slaughtered you guys, and that turns out to not be true. And blah blah blah, you know, rogue trooper stuff. Essentially, that's <laughs> super true. I mean, Souther Souther's aren't great either, for the record, though. Well, yes, fair point well made. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Rogue, um, listening to the this same broadcast, we hear like after slaughtering a bunch of Norts, just sort of off camera. Um, and I love the way that pulls back. So it pulls into him listening to it and, and, and his equipment talking. Yeah. And he's just putting his bag on and he puts helm on, and all of a sudden he just pulls back. Yeah. And he's just he's just <laughs> in this scene of carnage and <laughs> and mayhem, but. <laughs> and it just—it's it, kind of that balance of 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 of, of you know. Even though he's the goody, he does some. Yeah, he killed yeah. millions of people. And also, but and also, just like that, you know, Rogue's always doing something. You know, he's not just like yeah. sitting around listening to the radio, as opposed to the Nort troops that are just sort of in the trenches listening. I guess. Um, yeah. But so the uh, Rogue and the Chips decide to do something about this, even if this is in fact clearly a trap. Um, at the court zone itself, the Kashars are in, or the Kashans, I should say, are in full parade formation as Nordland Vienna interviews their general, and they say that they found a relic of the massacre, a GI rifle with a biochip in it, uh, which I think we, yeah, we all recognize pretty clearly. Like, Vienna asks, like, has it started talking? And, like, it is now because Gunner starts auto firing. He shoots Vienna in the chest and then opens fire on the assembled Norts. We have, of course, the classic line, and so it's good night, Vienna. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we're now, uh, I believe, two for two for rogue troopers in these special editions, killing at least one lady real graphically. Yeah. <laughs> Well, to be fair, Rogue might not have done it. It's Gunner that does it. Yeah, we all know yeah. what it's like, so. I mean, yeah, you, you can't trust Gunner, but still. Um, yeah, all these guys are getting shot down as Gunner goes to auto-fire. There's a real hilarious part where the guy holding Gunner goes to <laughs> smash him on a rock, but he, like, holds him up like 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 a club over his head, and Gunner just shoots him right in the face. <laughs> Pulls up the auto-firing. There's a continually yeah. firing machine gun over Definitely. his face. I'm yeah. so glad you mentioned that, because I, I was in stitches. You gotta be, you know, you got like, with any gun, you gotta be careful where you point the barrel especially when it both can auto fire and like hates you <laughs> and, 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 and as far as we see never actually stop also firing yeah. to the point where he puts it up yeah there was definitely not a not a point where it was not shooting at everybody but anyhow all, <laughs> all this is happening on live TV and then here and I wish Fox was here because he would love this as Rogue comes flying in on a hang glider shooting Norts with a GI pistol Fox course big fan of hang glider troops <laughs> he's also <laughs> dropping acid bombs on them destroying their chem suits and stuff between this and Bagman's micro mines and Rogue, yeah, you know, Rogue shooting everybody and stuff, the Kashans are quickly routed, and Rogue grabs the Kashar general and then awesomely impales him on one of the pointy boulders in the quartz zone. It's real cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's brutal. 
It's super brutal, especially because it's happening like on live TV and all the Southers like watching what should be a propaganda uh, victory turn to dust. And there's a <laughs> glorious moment where Gunner runs out of ammunition. And I don't know if this is a, a, a lettering error, but he actually says, click, click, do something when he's run out of ammo. He <laughs> yeah, I, says, click, click. I'm guessing it's a lettering error. Oh, but it works so well. No, I think <clears> I think it's it's actually him like emphasizing the fact that he's empty. Like, click, click, come on, guys, I need some ammo, you know. And of yeah. course, the response is, is again, not, not just using Helmer's weapon this time, but also yeah. taking the time. Chuck Bagman. Yeah, a rare, a rare murderous Bagman toss in this one. (laughs) Again, taking a regular strip and making it feel that little bit special. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's, I'd say one of the things they can really do in these annuals is just show the violence, I guess. Yes. It's something that we haven't seen otherwise where they can definitely just be like, here's like rogue shooting a bunch of guys and you see them get shot, you know, which is something that we've seen a a bunch of times in annuals, but definitely don't see that much on the, um, in the actual progs themselves. And and, and don't forget though that the the annuals were typically seen as a, a Christmas present treat, so of course, extra violence. Oh, so yeah. Special Christmas moments. I mean, ultra, yeah. Extra violence is the ultimate Christmas present. I feel like I've yeah, seen, so. I've seen at least several, I've seen at least two very special uh, episodes of a, of a sitcom where that's the lesson <laughs> that we learned, for sure. And let's face it, as the family meal breaks down. Yeah. We gotta do something. There's an air of violence in the household anyway. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and speaking of uh, ultra violence, it's Thrill 12, <laughs> Slain and Ask Ucko. <laughs> just some quick uh, secondary Slain stuff here. First, there's this awesome uh, pinup of Slain by, by Mick McMahon. So beautiful. Of him uh, going to fight a, a T-Rex and stuff. From what I recall, um, I remember in Thrill Power Overload, they talk about like a, a giant-sized version of this uh, picture being oh. used in like uh, like industry meetings and stuff, just to kind of say, like, here's what's coming for 2000 AD, like when they were sort of talking to advertisers and stuff. Because I know it's been used for covers since then yeah it's it's definitely like a yeah but it's it's beautiful yeah it's definitely a recurring piece of piece of slain art and really awesome yeah yeah you can see it's built for a cover because it's got all the uh, open space at the top which is kind of funny um and then we go to ask uko which is um i guess research droid xj4 has been set back in time to um ask uko various slain stories and it's just sort of another chance for basically i'm assuming it's it's pat mills dropping some more Celtic knowledge on us all. <laughs> I think so. It's just, it's you know. just him earning earning that that, that research. Was, was this one time when he was saying that either he didn't do a strip or he did a strip or he moved the trip somewhere because he refused to pay him for the research he was doing? Yeah, I know he definitely talks about that in like uh, in like yeah. Be Pure and stuff. And like, yeah, the, the time it takes to set up a strip. And I mean, we've definitely seen a lot of stuff in Slain that really speaks to the level of research that oh, that, yeah. that, uh, he, that that Mills did for Slain. Like there's always, mo- like whenever there's a new story almost it seems like there's like at least like a like a a page of just like text that's like here's how this is related to actual celtic stuff you see it here where sort of he claims like king arthur was a uh, was a warped warrior which is pretty cool (laughs) and a bunch of other stuff yeah goes back to as well doesn't he in the early 1000s i'm gonna say um, Uh, when he starts the time travel slain stories i believe so i haven't read that far so i'm not sure about that one but it definitely sounds like something that would happen Uh, uh, it, it gets referenced. Yeah, He's not doing this research often. Absolutely, yeah. We also learned that uh, Slain won Ucko in a sort of modified chess game. <laughs> um, there's an example of the Ogum Elef- um, 
alphabet and just sort of more general, like, Celtic stuff and um, more examples of cool Slane art, including the big uh, warped Slane fighting the undead guys by Bellardinelli that I really like. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fun, isn't it? It's a nice, fun, cheap thing. Absolutely. And speaking of things that are sort of fun and quick, it's Thrill 13, The Daily Dreads. So, more compressed storytelling in these Daily Star Dread comics. Uh, scripture about John Wagner and Alan Grant, art about Ron Smith, lettering about Tom Frame. Um, and, you know, these are, like, we, we've had these in all of the specials for the last couple of years, and I found them to be real fun. I'm just like, you know, here's some more, um, you know, just, yeah, fun Ron Smith Dread stuff. Yeah, just stunning. Absolutely. Stunning stuff. Yeah, so there's, we, we got six this time. First, a, uh, a candy wrapper falls from the sky. Dread picks it up, puts it in his, uh, in his crime computer, and it spits out the owner. The guy's arrested. He gets 60 days for littering. <laughs> And as he's taken away, another a another like a, a piece of Munts gum falls from the sky, and he's like, "Ah, just give up! You don't get, you, you don't have a chance." This one is, br- I, I just adore this one. It, it, there's something about just the the mundanity of it. Yeah, it, it just it perfectly timed the desperation on that final panel as he's saying, "Give yourself up now, pal! You ain't got a chance." Yeah, it's, it's just, just beautiful. Yeah, and it's just great. Yeah, um, like just citizens of Mega City One just having no chance against a Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah. Next, uh, we, we learn about Sponts, the spontaneous confessors of Mega City One that just kind of run up to judges and confess various crimes, whether they've done them or not. Um, you know, like Dredd takes one guy away and says, if you're telling the truth, you get nine months. If you're lying, you got nine anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> we then see a meeting of Sponts Anonymous where... <laughs> Well, Reed Richards, by the look of it. Yeah, like Reed Ri- Yeah, a huge mass of people. Yeah, Reed Richards and uh, Peter Laurie among them. Uh, yeah. Both <laughs> oh, yeah, Peter. Yeah. Picked up on that, yeah. Promised themselves that they won't, um, that, that they won't confess to any more crimes, but suddenly Dread, um, chases a criminal into the meeting room and he's inundated by the entire place coming to confess crimes to him. Um, <laughs> Dread like pulls himself out from this massive crowd of confessors and like gets on the radio like we got 400 ice we need 400 ISO cubes and reinforcements at Spons Anonymous it's going to be a busy night which is pretty good <laughs> very very good um, next up there's like an actual pretty big story for the course of uh, of one of these daily dreads where dread interview like goes in to talk to a guy who's like a a food taster I guess at a uh, at a bio manuf- at a food manufacturer tells a story about a guy who graduates with a degree in unemployment he's got a got a bachelor of unemployment degree um, and he goes to try to find a job um, at the unemployment office but is rejected so instead he's just got to not have a job instead he goes to the face changer and it's revealed that the guy Dredd is talking to is in fact this uh, new unemployment graduate who has killed a dude and taken his place assumed his identity to take his job and and I I think it speaks to how they managed to get the story across in these things that I bet your explanation of what happened takes longer than it actually was. Oh yeah. Doing. Like there's a it, like yeah. There's a lot going on here and the uh, and the economy of how they do it is really amazing. It's astonishing. Astonishing. Absolutely. Uh next up there is a a, a Grubner's store. It's a twenty four hour hypermart. It's been open twenty four hours a day, seven days a week for a hundred years. Right. <laughs> it's 
There's a huge swarm of people trying to get in to like celebrate it. There's a uh, prince type celebrity. Uh, yeah, I was wondering there. if that was actually going to be Prince. I, uh, I, 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 yeah. Surely it's got to be. Yeah, '84 is is high time for mm-hmm. Prince. I think like uh, 1999 and stuff came out in '81, so he'd definitely be like you know yeah. someone who you could make a reference to at this point. Poss- possibly on the tall side, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's still for you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, future Prince um, has extra abilities, I guess. That's <laughs> this is true. Yeah. yeah. So after he says some kind words, a cockroach comes crawling out of the store and does not escape the eagle eye of dread after a hundred years um grubner's uh, 24 24 hour hyper mart is closed for fumigations sheesh (laughs) (laughs) this is yeah no escaping After that, a bunch of uh, a bunch of perps are running from a job. I guess speaking of no escaping, a bunch of perps are running from a job <laughs> as an ex race ace. Uh, Ro- Roland Slattery is um a- is helping them escape. Dread of co- yeah, Dre- Dread of course is no match. They're no match for Dread as he takes them down. They're all arrested and taken away. And there's one lesson to be learned, which is that Slattery will get you nowhere. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. <laughs> You made the bam 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 noise. Listen again, just through the mirror. <laughs> you know these. Uh, yeah, I got to pull out these air horns. Went a good enough punch. That's fantastic. the answer. It's a real great story. <laughs> but, but another one where you suspect that the pun came first. So yeah, John Wagner to some guy named Slattery at some point. We're like, oh, actually, absolutely. I can wait. Yes. And what's a... astonishing about this again? Back to the sort of how compact these are. This one fit right. There's how many ten panels? It feels padded. It feels like the whole running yeah. away bit. There's a lot of individual film. action scenes in here that probably they wouldn't actually have to do. But yeah. like Ron Smith is just sort of dunking on him because he's yeah. like, listen, I got, I can do this, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, the final story, there is a traffic jam in the Atlantic Tunnel, in the transatlantic tunnel, you know, from Mega City 1 to Britsit. Um, there, you know, 5,000 kilometers long underneath the Black Atlantic, some protesters have commandeered it. They got a bomb and they want the Black Atlantic cleaned up. Um, Dread, of course, isn't interested in hearing that. Instead, he evacuates the tunnel, seals it off on both sides, and opens up the floodgates to let that section of the tunnel be filled with the Black Atlantic itself. It's pure pollution! <laughs> he, uh... He, possibly an extreme way of handling the situation. I mean, you know, the tra- the, the traffic must flow. You know, that's just how it goes. Just, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, he takes him, you know, after the uh, place is uh, cleared up, he, the, he arrests the survivors and gives them six years each. Somebody protests this, and he's like, protest all you like, creep. As long as you don't break the law, you broke it, you'll do time. <laughs> and that's like so how we should show yeah, I love how this section of Daily Dreads is all about um, just the regular folks in Mega City One yes. and Dread yeah. intervening with them. I think that's yeah. a really cool chance. You know, it's a, it's a like the thing about these dailies is that or the uh, these strips is that's a really good chance to kind of get some sense of just da- days in the life of Mega City One. You know. Yeah, absolutely, and, and and I do think very often that's when dreads as a strip is 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 certainly for for a good a good period of the Wagner and Grant time was was when is it its strongest when it was it was dread was almost periphery to it was an arch of which a story could be built about the people. Yeah, um, I know you'll have just probably covered, for example, portrait of a politician, which yeah, yeah. Is, is is just a glorious commentary of of of, of Mega City One, but because it's so utterly poignant to potential potentially could be related to as an allegory for, for modern political times mm. um even with the orange hair Indeed. um <laughs> it's, 
the, 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 again, it's, it's those sorts of slice of life commentaries that, that just hit home. Yeah. Just yeah. It's really, I, again, yeah, I really love all that. Yeah. The like portrait of the politician, uh, citizen snork, which he had earlier this year too. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, uh, American, Graf- un-American graffiti a couple years ago. These ones where it's like, yeah, where, where dread is a secondary character almost. And we just sort of see what it's like to be in this ridiculous megalopolis <laughs> where, you know, everybody's unemployed and like, it's just a weird, like, po- like, like it's, it's a post need world. Like as they talk about in yeah. like socio sociology circles, yeah. but it's also a world where everybody's incredibly desperate. So it's a weird, it's an interesting mix of those things. Just sort of thinking about mega city one, I guess. Yeah, it, it does. It, it's so ripe for for uh, for storytelling. Glorious stuff. Absolutely. And speaking of a uh, glorious storytelling, it's thrill <laughs> thrill fourteen. Top covers of eighty three. Thark's <laughs> mighty puzzle pages and solutions. I mean, I guess I'm talking mostly about this cup, this first section with the top covers of eighty three. Where there's yeah. nine of them, and it's all yeah, fun stuff. Again, the one they, they they do this section a lot, and it's cool. But I'm also always bummed by it because it's always in black and white. When you know, of yes. course, the colors, the cover, yeah, and and also Another yeah, page. the color and, and the covers themselves are really small. When of course, in fact, they were real big and um in color. But it's a good mix of eighty three stuff. I I I agree with pretty much all these choices. I'd say there's like the rad beast and skiz um the starborn thing sam slade's gravestone then some just general like rogue trooper and strontium dog stories uh slain on the burning man and then the uh, big gross picture of uh torquemada at the end and, of an absolute 83. classic johnny alpha cover that one with him uh, holding the two guns but there are, there are some astonishing omissions Where's my disco rogue? Where's Ooh. the dread <laughs> turning into a werewolf? Oh yeah, that's and, true. And Torquemada versus Mechwake. That's true. Those are all good. Yeah, I would. I'd say if I had my druthers, I'd swap out the second um, Starborn thing one where Dred's pregnant. Yes, like, that yeah. one's got to go yeah. for at least for Cry of the Werewolf. That's such an iconic Dread cover. Absolutely. That's a bummer. Yeah. It's not in here. You're right. And, I, and, and I'd swap out my, my Rogue from a Disco Rogue. I adore Disco Rogue. <laughs> a disco Rogue's real good, man. Oh, gee, yeah, he's dan- d- dancing, uh, dancing GI. Um, <laughs> After that, we sort of enter just sort of the part that you do like later on on Christmas Day once you've read the actual yep. stories or maybe on Christmas break where you just kind of got bored and didn't have much <laughs> else to do. Um, there's a spot, the difference for Blackhawk, which is sort of a blast from the past. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Like it's several years old. Um, there's a, uh, a cosmic quiz of space facts. I think the most interesting one here is number sixteen, which sort of is a is a uh, an early volley in the uh, is yes. Pluto a planet debate. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting that, that was was in yeah. There. I mean, like like parts in Flesh where they talk about dinosaurs evolving into birds. It's kind of interesting to see things that I think of as more modern scientific uh, uh, conversations being talked about in like nineteen eighty four or something. Um, there's anagrams of various um, two thousand eighty villains. Um, then I think the, 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 the coolest one of these puzzles, which is called Know Your Art Droids, which has a bunch of pictures of, of, uh, 2080 characters drawn by different artists, um, like, you know, Dread, Rogue, Slain, and then ABC Warriors, and sort of, you know, gives a picture of them, and then you have to match them up with the artist and stuff. Um, which I tried to do without the, the artists, and I, I did pretty well, but there was, there was some I just couldn't, I couldn't get to look at the artists' names on there. 
I mean, I got to say, like, sl- like Slain is, like, real obvious. And I think it's yeah. it, it's a real bummer that they use such an early uh, uh, Gibson Dread as well. I think that's a Gibson Dread, yes. like, precursed Earth yeah. as, as well. Yeah. Um, and also, I think it's the ABC Warriors is unfair because it's a different ABC Warrior in each picture. So you yep. don't have sort of the one-to-one, um, like, just like, like, like uh, tr- uh, images to sort of figure out who did what, you know? <laughs> and, 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 and they are they're, they're quite difficult because I think they're, they're – the O'Neill and the the, the the Square are just obvious, but but yeah. the, uh, the the Gibbons and, and the McCarthy to this day, I'm still looking at it going, I'm not 100. <laughs> percent Yeah, I can definitely, <laughs> yeah, I can definitely tell O'Neill. I can definitely tell um, Ascara, yeah, but um, yeah. Gibbons, and, yeah, those ones are harder. Anyhow, uh, then there's a a word search of a 2000 of a both Star Wars or like like science fiction, I should say, yeah. comic book and 2000 AD things. I think the first one I saw was Satanus looking at it, but there's a whole bunch. And then there's a word search where all the which where all the words have the letter K in them, and the K's have already been filled in to the uh, crossword, I should say. Yeah. After that, there is one final um, quiz on the actual answer page itself. Oh, I didn't even notice that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's for matching up um, heroes with their weapons, and then the solution pages, which of course has all the solutions. <laughs> <laughs> which is a really bad place to put a quiz. It's true. Yeah, it's right there on the bottom. You got to like, uh, you 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 have to, um, yeah, just be on your honor to not uh, cheat. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> it was n- nice of them to sort of corral all the puzzles together for once. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, we've seen ones where they've been with the, like. Yeah, I think this is the first time they've all been in one place. Usually, yeah, they are sort of spread out around things for sure. Um, and then. I guess, yeah. Speaking of ABC Warriors, let's go to the <laughs> final one, which is, of course, Thrill 15 ABC Warriors. Mwah. Yeah, it's How real good. Script this? robot Alan Moore, art robot uh, Steve Dillon and John Higgins, letting robot Steve Potter. I got to say, uh, I'm really bummed about this story because in my physical copy of the 2080 annual, like half of the pages on this story are blank. Oh, like, let me say that on a preview. One of the yeah, podcasts. when we were talking yeah. about it, yeah, like so. Basically, I've got like the opening page, and then there's two blank pages, and then the big page with a deadlock, and then like the rest of the page, and then one, an, another blank page, and then no more pages in the annual. It's a real bummer for oh. sure. Um, luckily, I have a digital version, so I know what's happening. <laughs> and a fine example of how taken from the internet is is justified and right and proper. I mean, that's you a know. shocking. It's, yeah, it's helpful the, uh, when, yeah, and listen, it's a 30-year-old comic, and I bought a physical, so I have no yeah, shame. No, not, yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but this is an awesome uh, color ABC Warriors story, such a rare thing. Um, and, and, and what I think is weird about this one is, is uh, sorry, if you know, uh, I'll uh, let you do the creative credits first. No, oh, yeah, credits, no, no, I, I already did those. Yeah, it's Alan Moore, then Steve Dillon, yeah. John Higgins' is art, Steve Potter uh, letters. Because yeah. it, it creates Dillon and Higgins as the artist, and I think... The, the the difference is I, mean, I think Higgins has done the art, but it looks to me like Higgins has done all the backgrounds as well. It looks hmm. like Dylan's done the figure work on top of, or however it's been put together, um, Higgins' backgrounds. Yeah, the I I, I know for sure that the uh, the lady in this story is a very Steve Dylan sort of lady. Oh, like you kind of is, yeah. really yeah. see her, see like in like the, in like how she's built and stuff like that, like her facial features and stuff. Um, so, but so. This one is, I guess, taking place after the events of the ABC Warriors, because Hammerstein's sort of talking about, like, being old and, you know, get or getting old and being sort of too old for this shit, generally. <laughs> um, but we see the, magnif- the 
Magnificent Seven orbits left of them, meeting a female terraformer who's planting trees on Mars to make more oxygen and stuff. They talk about getting rid of this giant, like, spiky glass formation on the horizon that used to be one of the homes of the long-dead native Martians. She even talked about how she's found a skull of one of them, and it's this, like, cool, like, bird skull with, like, a razor beak on the bottom. Um, and she also talked about how, like, you know, a couple of workers have disappeared recently and they're sort of, and she thinks that they've been spooked by stories of these Martian ghosts, essentially. Um, but <laughs> Hammerstein has deadlock look at the skull and he determines that, 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 that whoever owned this skull only died a couple weeks ago. And it's glorious as, as Deadlock's looking at the skull. He's actually surrounded by robotic skulls as well, decorating his his room, sort of again with that sort of that lovely play with that contrast of of, of the yeah. robotic nature of the ABCs. Yeah, and um, I love just yeah, he's sitting there like with like a, mor- a mortar and pestle, and his fingers steepled, and he really looks like a uh, like a wizard or something like that. Yes, it's very yeah. cool. Um, there, so there's deadly Martian animals out on the loose. The uh, terraformer is attacked by them and killed, and it's just bad times in general. Uh, Hammerstein buries what little remains of her as black blood leads a purge of the surrounding areas for, like, sort of the grasses that these beasts seem to live in. Um, Hammerstein reflects that he's getting old and soft, and he feels bad both for the humans who have to suffer on this terrible new planet and the creatures that once lived here but whose time has passed. Just... Brilliant. Brilliant. It's real. Yeah, it's a real great, like, kind of like lonesome, melancholy end to this. And I think that's really amazing. It's always fun when they sort of have, like, uh, uh, a reflection on what the nature of doing this stuff is. <laughs> but, it, but even that final panel where, where normally I'd, I'd be getting all giggly about the fact that if you, if you look at the the very final panel, there's, there's a there's a gravestone very pulled off very far with Hammerstein walking away from from two two symbols the, the there's there's a there's a grave with a cross mm-hmm. in it but also what is clearly a, a phallic <laughs> yeah <laughs> a phallus which he's been sat on as that rock you've not been aware of it and normally be kind of hey, look at that penis um but in this case it, 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 I, I might be reading too much into this but it's Alan Moore so maybe I'm not it, it, he's turning his back on both death and and mankind oh. Interesting. As symbolized by yeah. you know, the grave and, 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 and what is, it can't be mistaken that that's a, <laughs> surely got to be deliberately to be a phallus. And I just don't feel it's a joke in this one. I think it is that symbology of, of the things that he's turned his back on, he's yeah. walking away from. It's interesting here. Yeah, it's, it, he has definitely similar themes in his narration. And of course, does, the yeah. next time we see Hammerstein, he'll be like a crazy, like, like he'll continue this melancholy into Nemesis the Warlock where he's um all depressed and like sort of wanting to die as the Gothic Empire story begins. And and, and I think this is it again it's sort of again it's lovely that these that this story and the slain story bookend um bookend this annual because both of them feel like bridges to the appearance next appearances of yeah. because this one does absolutely what you say it feels like you know from those glorious opening shots where they they make Hammerstone's actually got a spade in his hand, but mm-hmm. from having dug a grave, but they make it look like it's a, a walking stick, yeah. and it just makes physically look old and tired. Which, as you say, and, and then the ABC warriors sort of uh, the weariness of it all, and yeah. and, and then moving further and away from a from a from supporting humankind to being opposed to humankind, and of course that will lead fantastically into yeah, what the, yeah into our next nemesis story, which I'm super excited for. Oh man. <laughs> So yeah, it's just it's just just a beautiful, uh, a beautiful example of how Alan Moore can make what six seven pages of comics feel both light and quick, but dense and almost literate. I mean, it, it's yeah. not literature by you know the finest. No, but, but definitely it, really affecting for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
And with that, yeah, and with that, uh, Colin, you'll never walk alone, man. We've walked together through the 2080-1985 annual, man. All right. <laughs> ah, we made it. They've been in the room and gone, and they've not made a noise. So, well, God hey. love them. They're behaving themselves. Yeah, fantastic. All right. <laughs> um, but that leads us to one final question, of course, which is, what were your top and bottom thrills for this annual? Well, uh, the top, I think I've 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 probably shot my bolt on that one already by <laughs> by just gushing visually all over Alan Moore. It just that that final that final ABC Warriors is just it just it, it looks beautiful. It reads beautiful. It, it's another example of what makes annuals and special stories feel special mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and 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 really stands out. So without a shadow of a doubt, that's my number one. Nice. Uh, if I'm allowed to get rid of. Zagman, that is clearly by far <laughs> worse. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it counts, but Jesus, I had to read all seven pages, so I think I I earned the right to call that one. It was just, it was just yeah. poor. That's it's super fair, absolutely. Um, and, I th- and of course, the question gets returned. That is, thank you. Yeah. Well, well, well honoured. What are your top and bottom frills? <laughs> oh man, um, I'm going to say for my bottom, it's either Zragman or um, I love you, Sheldon. That one, just because yeah. I just found Sheldon to be such a jerk that it really it soured might, it me my, on the story. It's my backup worth if I yeah. wasn't allowed Zragman. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and for my top, I'm I'm going to say uh, the Rogue Trooper story. I oh, really, okay. I really li- like the uh, both that the ABC Warriors and uh, Slain are both really awesome uh, stories, and and Dread too. But um. I really liked Rogue Trooper just because of all the action in it. I like the connection to the start of Rogue Trooper, especially because we're sort of about to, um, like, start on the end of Rogue Trooper and stuff like that. So it was cool to see them sort of bring it back to the Quartz Massacre. And I just really liked all the, all the, uh, all, all the way he kills dudes in that, uh, story are they real do great. The variety, don't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Swinging on the hang glider, the guy shooting himself in the face by accident. Um, impaling the guy on the rock, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, it's it's not deep like the ABC Warriors story, which is also really great. Um, and or you know, it lacks some of the uh, of the uh, future looking elements of like Slain, which is going to sort of you know has like interesting consequences later on in in the Slain story. But I just like this one is just sort of a fun like slice of life, like here's Rogue (laughs) being real awesome uh, kind of story. Slice death. Okay, yeah, for sure. But you know, just sort of like it like it definitely kind of sets out to be like you know we're in the annual we're in color let's have a really amazing road trooper story and it accomplishes that so i think and, it and, really... and it just reminds you that it is just a fun yeah it really quote, quote, boys action comic <laughs> of the day right yeah it succeeds on its own terms yeah. i think I, yeah. I really appreciate that um, and with that, hey, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com, on the 2080 forums, or on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. Everything else, look at spacespinner2000. We should be there. Colin, if we want to uh, find you on the internet, where can you be found? Where would you like to be found, I suppose? <laughs> I was going to say, don't, don't find me on the internet. Right, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I, I, could be, I could be seen haunting the, the, the two Fasley forums uh, under my, my, my username of, of Colin.YNWA. Uh, a beautiful place to hang out and discuss two thousand AD. So come along and join us there. Absolutely. I'm definitely there. And I have foxes sometimes, too. 
Um, and then uh, come back on, to, on Space Spinner 2000 next time as it's time for the big fall rollout with all new stories and thrills. Uh, Nemesis and the Gothic Empire will start. Dread will question his resolve and then hang out with the Wally squad. Ace, oh. tr- Ace Trucker goes on, Ace Trucking goes on strike and Rogue Trooper and the Trader General start their final showdown. And finally, uh, Hell Trek, the Hell Trekkers roll out for Mega City One. They are some good times. It's going to be very exciting. Until then, I'm I'm Conrad. He's Colin. We are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid for three. Oh,